Well, we roll into the second half of 2023, but does anything change? Do AI-formatic stocks and mere-cap tech continue to find a bid? Do we hold the range in the US dollar while carry continues to be the play of the jour in FX markets? We've got bond yields moving higher, and does that eventually destabilise the risk tray coming through? And we've got a potential breakout on our hands in Bitcoin as well, something we're going to be focused on in the trade-off. Well, hi there. My name is Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepperstone. I'm going to be joined by the returning Blake Morrow. We've had Quasar, the Latin Prince, stepping in for a couple of weeks on a fantastic job. But we bring Mr. Blake Morrow back into the programme. Mr. Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics, how are you going? How was your holiday, sir? Yo, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So you tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I... Wait okay. a second. No, I thought you with... said this was the sp- this was the Spice Girls tour reunion tour that no one wanted, and that's what today was. No, I felt like it. It was kind of like one of those things, isn't it, where we felt like you know with the the the, the old timers getting back together, you know, well past their self by day. But the people want it. The people want you, Blake. <laughs> no, they want you. And you know what? It's great to be back with you, Chris. I, I had a lot of fun with Quasar uh, while you were out and about frolicking at your at your mate's wedding. Um, but it's nice to have you back, and and I'm 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 back too for the remainder of the summer. So well, mate, I was coming back. From, back here. I was coming back from yeah. the UK, uh, you know, the, the week before, and of course I had I caught a man cold from from the plane, and yeah, I hit it really well. I mean, obviously, there's very little that, that, that's worse in life than a man cold, and I, I think I did a pretty good job in disguising how just on on death's door I was last week. But uh, bouncing back, feeling good, f- fresh for the fight, and keen to debate. These world of markets with you, Blake. See how you think of this after after a couple of weeks being apart from each other. God, I've missed you. And now we're back on with topical fun. Let's kick it. All right, let's go to sentiment. I talked about this last week, but I think it's a great place to start. Um, if I look at the S and P. We've not had a 1% down day, I think, in 28 sessions. It's the most since November 2, 2021. Um, yeah, the VIX is trading at 14%. We're seeing skew on, on optionality being reduced. So people have been hedge, uh, you know, rolling off the hedges. Um, you know, the, the put call ratio on the SIBO is at 0.52, so one of the lowest levels we've seen for a while. FX vols are shot through the floor at the moment, which is why carry continues to be a, a, a pretty good trade. Everyone's you know, piling into that. Uh, and the dollar's trading a bit sideways at the moment, which I think is allowing vols to, to, to continue lower. But one thing we are going to talk about very much is this, this re- unrelentless sell-off we're seeing in the bond market, both on a nominal and a real basis. And does that now start to derail risk? I will say this, Blake. November, if, if, sorry, July is the month to be long, the NASDAQ. I think the, every month for the last 15 years... The Nasdaq has rallied, and I think on the average of those 15 years, it's about 4.6% gain. So the form book suggests we go higher. This time could be different. The backdrop is different. How are you reading the markets here? Are you feeling strong, positive, or do you think we've got a bit of downside risk in risk assets? You know, it's it's, it's funny. Um, you know, you, you talk about sentiment, and uh, it, two weeks ago when I was on with Quasar, we talked about the S&P, you know, kind of rejecting the 161% extension felt that the markets were a little overbought and sentiment was a little too one-sided. I think Quasar felt the same way. We corrected a little bit, but we bounced right back and we're right back at those levels. Um, and and I, 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 ha- I can't dismiss 
this insatiable, you know, buying sentiment that we're getting. However, uh, you know, to fade it is a risk. I got run over. Uh, it hurt. you know, hurt. To, yeah, say shorting yeah. the Nasdaq's hurt, right? It, it, yeah, and I haven't been short on the Nasdaq. I've been like long yen, and that trade didn't work out. I got stopped out fairly quickly. But the 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 thing is, is the market is too overbought to be bought, but it's too strong to be shorted. So it's kind of like I don't know really what to do. I think we're going to get some clues later this week, which we'll talk about in the next subject. But sentiment is, I mean, everybody's FOMOing it. Is that what you call it, Chris? FOMO? FOMO? <laughs> uh, there's, I tell you, there, there certainly was a bit of FOMO going into the back end of the fiscal uh, financial year. And, you know, yeah. I, I, the quite, I think you make a really good point there. Is this that, yeah, do we, can we chase it? At the, can we chase risk equities and, and, and things at these levels? And again, that, that feels hard to do. But yeah, if we get a breakout in the NASDAQ, then, then I think you've got to. Um, and I think you've got to continue. But yeah, like the best time to be short these markets is when the bid dries up and volatility picks up a little bit. And, and you, know, you can see the rate of change pick up. And that's just not happening at the moment. So, you know, you've got to take those timeframes in and, 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 and work, work the tape a bit. But it's, it's a tough one to be doing either at the moment. So we're wait, waiting for the market. This is where patience in trading comes in, right? And, and you know, and we patience, say- Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say patience. Wait for the market you know, d- dynamics to change and, 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 and then start the trade. If you're forcing the trade in these conditions just because, you know, you want to trade, I think that, that's generally why retail traders blow up. So, yeah, patience is key, I think. And, you know, that's the exact same comment commentary I made to uh, our the Forex analytics clients earlier today is that you have to be patient. But look, we might only be a day or maybe two going into the next subject, producer. Going, <laughs> we might only be a couple of days away from that sentiment shift. And that's where I wanted to bring up this topic, Chris, of talking about non-farm payroll. You know, we have, you know, almost consistently beat the numbers. And look, the market has responded favorably. We've been rallying as the numbers have been good. Um, are we at a point? And this is this. I've I asked my colleagues at Forex Analytics today this exact same question. I wanted to bring it to you because I think it's an important one. How is the market going to respond to this data? And I got a couple of different responses, which I thought were great responses. But um, we get we get. Let's just say the the jobs report continues to be strong. You know, and we're like, oh, my gosh, well, I guess this isn't the month where labor starts to, you know, look a little more dim. Um, and, you know, maybe the, the payrolls numbers are great. Are markets going to respond positively again, knowing that the Fed is at, you could call it a neutral rate, really close to the terminal rate, whatever you think it is. Yeah, The Fed could continue to raise rates. However, you know, the market has been cheering a, a stronger economy or maybe that we might skirt a recession. Flip side is if we get bad data, do the markets actually pull back a little bit? And I know we might go a little long here, but do the markets pull back because, oh, well, the jobs market is starting to weaken and this is what we were waiting for before a recession starts. Or maybe Mm. they'll feel that the Fed needs to continue to not push rates higher. Maybe they'll keep rates steady or maybe even cut them in months ahead. But what are your thoughts here with the NFP? I think you make a point. I mean, we've beaten 14 months in a row now that that the actual jobs print has come out above expectations. And I think the the 12-month average is 336,000 jobs. So one suspects the form guide says we get a strong uh, level of job creation. Now, two months ago, I would have said to you that that, that a high level of job creation could be a, a negative for markets because we want to see a cooling of the labour market. I don't think that's true anymore. I think the market wants to see a strong jobs level of creation and uh, for those points that the economy is humming along. 
we're pushing that recession trade back. And as long as that continues to be the case, I think equity markets find a bid. The most important element, though, is that average hourly earnings. That's the most important. Any inflationary read you're seeing in the market, as long as that suggests that core PCE is going to go down to the Fed's target um, or estimate for the end of the year at 3.9%, I think there's downside risk to that. Um, anything that suggests that's the case is good for risk. Now, so I think the, the, the Goldilocks scenario is we get you know, a number north of 250,000, uh, but the average hourly earnings needs to come out below 4.2% uh, or below. If that's the case, we'll, we'll cheer a strong level of job because wages are going down, they're stagnant, and core PEC is going down to target. So I think it's a pretty simple one. I think the market will tolerate jobs, anything above 180,000, as long as the average hourly earnings is is weak. Um, and I think that's, okay. that's the Goldilocks. So again, the question then is, is if what happens with, with, with you know, twos, fives, 10-year government bonds? If yields go up, is are we going to start seeing that dynamic where bonds have been bond yields have been moving up, up and equities have been moving up in correlation? Does that dynamic start to break down now? Do bond yields actually start to say, well, these are long duration assets? The discount mechanism that we we, we measure these cash flows by is actually starting to bring down the present value of these companies um, and and actually starts to weigh. That's the thing we're going to see at the moment. Higher bond yields are are rallying with equities. Well, and so let's it. let's flip it to the next uh, topic and let's talk about yields because you bring up a great point. And by by the way, uh, my colleague Ryan Littlestone, who's on the other trade off, the 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 big up the, Ryan, the, 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 the inferior. Uh, <laughs> he's he's joking, joking guys. We're joking. better than them. Anyway, he, than them. he he also mentioned the same thing that you did. He's along those same lines in your thought process, which is great. But let's talk about yields because yields have been. Ripping, and it's not just U.S. I mean, everybody lo looks at the U.S. ten-year, and they're like, "Oh, look at the U.S. ten-year; it's ripping." But it doesn't matter if you're looking at Boone's, Chance, you know, you know, whatever, I, I, Gilts, whatever you're looking at. Bond yields are ripping, minus Japan, right? I guess they're really not going anywhere. Thirty-nine basis but, points on ten-year ten-year ten JGBs at the moment. <laughs> Change the yield curve control. Do it, do it, do it. Get some volume in the market. On. I mean. But but yields continue to rally, and this is where I, I start to add. Well, I, I've asked you in the past, back when yields were ripping, you know, months ago, and we had the same conversation, and I want to have that same conversation again today, you know, six months later, when bond yields are ripping again and stocks are getting to that little peaky point, you know, where does it start to not make sense to own equities from a risk reward? basis if if you've got you know yields of uh you know securities that are riskless in 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 you know your mind uh that you could be yielding you know a, a very decent percentage on some longer term uh duration securities when does it when does that risk outweigh the reward when you buy in equities i mean what do you make of this bond market yield move and where does it really start to bite equities that you were just talking about a couple well, of it's an interesting sessions. one it's an interesting one I mean, we would always look at the the equity risk premium so looking at the earnings yield relative to the to the, to the risk free rate and um yeah that's at the lowest level since 2002 so i mean anyone who's sort of classically theoretically trained in equities and you know looking at things like equity risk premium that there is there is very little there and and, and that usually suggests that you might want you're not getting paid for the risk that you're taking on in equities at the moment um yeah, I think two in the <clears throat> front end of the curve twos. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing you know too much in terms of selling there. Um, 
I wouldn't necessarily want to be buying because I think I think yeah the market's obviously looking at a July rate hike playing through um, and then they're sort of weighing up do we get a, another rate hike in in September and maybe maybe sort of November there's a 50-50 chance of that um, and so twos I think <clears throat> are fairly well 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 you know well valued at the current levels around four percent. It's the it's the back end of the curve, the tens, which I think is getting all the fu- all the all the function over the last twenty four hours with the breakouts we've been seeing there. You know, can we push up into what we, I think we got in 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 March got up to about four point zero eight percent? Can we push up into those levels? But I think a four handle on on the tens could psychologically be good for money managers. They may start looking at getting in there. The one you want to look at there, Blake, is the five year real rate or tips. That's broken out now. And, and and that's the real cost of capital that people will use there. So that that to me is something that that you know, real rates are moving up. That's a proper tightening of financial conditions. I can't see how the Nasdaq continue to push up much higher from these levels um, with with real rates moving up and and the rate of change is picking up a little bit as well. So I think that's good for the US dollar. Um, uh, and I can switch over there. But have you got have you got a quick thoughts on that one as well on yields? Uh, well, just I'm kind of in the same line as you is yields are, as they continue to move higher. How does it start to affect the dollar? And I think that uh, we're going to go into your next topic, which well, will be the dollar, right? Yeah. I think the other one is it's the yield curve as well. I mean, we've seen we've seen two tens yield curve going from around negative 110 basis points with a negative 101 at the moment. And steepeners are, you know, everyone's been trying to do steepeners for, for a long time and getting absolutely carted out. And, and that's your recession indicator. So, you know, when we get a deep inverted yield curve, so that's a sign of a recession, it's actually when the curve starts to really steepen, that's when we know it's on. But it's it, it's when the front end drops significantly that, that that's you working. So we're not there at the moment, but something we are watching is that inverted yield curve. And when you bring up the dollar, so, you know, we, we, we should, if you look at the dollar index, I don't have a chart, unfortunately, but if the, the dollar index has sort of been trading in a, what, 106, 101 range for quite some time. Um, but now we're starting to see U.S. yields moving up, and you know they're moving up relative to other um, other countries as well. So that spread widening is is, is potentially a dollar positive. Yeah, you know, it's all being carried this year, isn't it? I mean, you know, everyone's long dollar yen, or just using the yen as a funding currency. The CNH, the offshore yuan, has been another funding currency, uh, and in EM, yeah, everyone's long Mexican pesos and, and Brazilian reals. The dollar's moving sideways against a lot of the G10 countries, ex Japan. Um, but there's there, there's some big trades that the macro hedge fund communities have been on this year, and as I say, uh, short dollar Mex, short dollar Brazil, long dollar yen, um, and, and those trades have done very well. But everything else is sort of trading in a range. So how are you seeing the US dollar now? And is there any any particular trades that you really like here? Well, there are, and that means you're going to have to stick around for some of our setups that are coming up just a few <laughs> Ooh, minutes. And I, don't want to give them, I don't want to give them all away, uh, but because uh, I'm, I'm going to be pretty FX centric through the setups. But uh, I do want to say that the dollar, you know, it is consolidating. You're right. It's consolidating below the 200 day moving average. It's uh, trading below or around the 106 to 101 range. It's tightening in a triangle, which is a, a tightening. Uh, usually a continuation type of pattern when you when you look at it, and considering the fact that we are cons- we are consolidating a sell off that happened in 2022, like the second half of 2022, we're just consolidating near our lows. Theoretically, we should be resuming our downtrend. That means the euro should be trading eventually back above 111. If you go by like technical playbooks, but there's a lot more at work in the markets than just technicals. We have a big macro backdrop. We have 
you know, a lot of shifts in monetary policy and expectations, inflation expectations, yada, yada, yada. So uh, where rates go from here in the if, with the Fed and what inflation does, there's two two sides to that argument, two distinct sides, whether we're going to see uh, sticky inflation or more of deflationary, deflationary, not disinflationary, going into like deflationary pressures. So um, there are definitely two camps. And so you can see where the standstill is. I think the dollar looks great against certain currencies. But then again, as you pointed out, I think it looks bearish against others. So, uh, you know, where where I stand is kind of in the middle at the moment, like the charts. Quick one. Dollar yen. Yeah. Can you be long dollar looks- yen knowing you've got that intervention potentially going? I mean, if you're if you're sitting on a healthy position, you've been riding this as a trend. Um, you're, you're happy to do it. But yeah, if we were to get the, the, the Ministry of Finance coming out and, and intervening, causing a 500 pip rip to the downside. It's hard to be long dollar yen for me at these levels. I mean, if you look at the daily chart and dollar yen at 145, you know, the momentum trader in me suggests buy the breakout and just hope it rides. But you've got this 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 monkey on your back, haven't you, that, that says, yeah, at any stage that because the trade weighted yen is, is lower than where we were September last year, that they could come out. I mean, the first point of call is that they check the markets. But then you're sitting on, you know, especially when you're using leverage, you know, you, you, you're down 500 pips. You've probably been stopped out and got slippage because it's been such a fast rip. Right. The yen's a hard one to be long, uh, to be short right now, right? It It, it is. And I've, I've tried to be long yen a couple of different times. And I've, I've managed to milk it a couple of times. Uh, last week before I took off on holiday, I got stopped out on, on a dollar yen trade. And, you know, it's I was a little a week too early, which is. You know, it happens. But I will say this, though, y- Yamato, Yoto, Yom- I don't know his name. Anyway, anyway, one of the guys from the BOJ who's throwing out the warnings right now, that 145 Kanda. level looks. What's his name? Ka- well, Kanda's the, 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 the chief currency guy, and he's been talking. He's been open. He's the most important person in the Bank of Japan or it, within the Japanese authorities. Yeah, when, when he's talking and saying he doesn't like the one-sided moves, you know we're on notice now. The next play is when you see headlines saying that the Bank of Japan and the Ministry of Finance are checking rates. That means it's on. We're properly on intervention watch, and it's a matter of time before they come out and do it. So we haven't got to that point yet, but when we see those headlines, I'm, uh, you know, I'll certainly be looking at those charts and keeping my eyes on the yen very closely. I think we're going to have to wrap uh, it up. I, 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 know, I was going to say, I know we've got to move along, but, uh, you know, what a strong jobs report might do that. It, you 100%. If we get a, you know, right. especially imagine you got average average hourly earnings above 4.4%. That would surprise. It's not being predicted, but if it would surprise, it's not out of the realms of possibility. 4.4%. We get a big payrolls number. You got dollar yen through 145. We are on weekend, Monday morning, intervention watch straight away. So put it on your radar and do consider your position sizes and your leverage, especially in that environment there as well. Anyway, let's go to that's a setup. I'm going to bring up the NAS. Love it. Love the chart. Love the chart. So let's bring it up. Okay, because what we've got is the weekly here. Yeah, obviously, we just use the weekly for, for oversight here. But you can see all the way really through, through we broke out the channel in, um, in, in in February. We sort of pushed up. And you can see I've just marked on those those, those green arrows, really. Just, just showing all the way <clears throat> through that point is that when we've got the pullbacks, really big buying support coming through. And you can see reasonably long wicks. And you can just see the market absorbing that. 
Uh, and where we've got to now is you've got to a point, last week we saw a bullish outside uh, outside week reversal. Uh, and I was suggesting to clients that we buy, we, we do buy stop orders above that, um, that, that, that orange line because you've got you know, a higher high coming from the bullish outside week. Uh, but you've also got to push through that, that obviously, the, the very clear resistance levels that we've got there. Um, so I, I'd just be looking to wait for the breakout, let the market show you that, they, that they're ready to continue pushing this one higher. Um, because, yeah, we've got balance sheet reduction coming through. Yeah, I know that the reserves haven't actually been drawn down as much as RRP, which is net positive, I guess, for risk. But we are significantly overbought at the moment. We're coming into earnings season in the US. I know that yeah, the big tech companies don't report to the end of July. Um, and you can see momentum in the rate of change, three day rate of change on the bottom there coming down. It's a tough one to do. I, I feel in, I feel it in my gut, in my bones. We've probably got some downside risks, but the technicals aren't there. Uh, we talked about it earlier. How do you, how are we how are we trading this one, Blake? Well, we are right up against those that big resistance that you 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 have drawn out and about 250 points higher than this. So think about like price action following. You know, we do have like ISM, weekly unemployment claims, I think some other jobs data like uh, jolts, I think tomorrow. Anyway, but really Friday's jobs report. Um, think about what happens after that. So just about 250 points higher at four, 15,450 roughly is the 78% retracement of that entire move, that entire chart that you see there, Chris. So what I'm thinking is we, we might have one last gasp higher in the nasdaq maybe to test that that resistance so it still looks strong yeah if it does i mean i just wonder how I, we talked about the balance sheet being uh, the fed's balance sheet drawdown being and, and liquidity being the red flag but it hasn't been so far and as i say bank reserves haven't been used to fund the treasury bill issuance it's mostly been rrp at the moment which is you know already been it's money out there um, bond yield to probably now the big thing. If real rates continue to push up, do duration assets. Could, the pain trade's still higher, to be honest, in my opinion. I think it's it's higher. So I, I want to. I'd be waiting to get the breakout and then and then and then yeah, looking to try and ride potential trend. So we'll see what happens there. Very good. Well, the the chart I want to bring up is I want to bring up the setup of the Euro Canadian. This is called a you know this is basically a bullish wedge when you have consistent highs and higher lows. That means it's building for, uh, you know, like pressure for more than likely higher percentage breakout to the upside. Notice how this entire move, you, when you take the the low of uh, what is that back in August of last year to the highs of this year, we weren't even we're, we were just about getting to the 38 percent retracement, really shallow, shallow retracement. 200 day moving average is supportive right below that as well. So if we break out above this um this 145.20, 145.30 level, that should allow for an upside breakout. And by the time we get there, we'd break above the 50-day moving average. And so that would just further accentuate the, the move higher for resumption of trend higher. And I'm actually pretty bearish Canadian dollars right now based on what the US dollar Canadian is doing uh, on a weekly basis. So anyway, EuroCAD, bullish wedge, a lot of support down below. We know where we're wrong. What are your thoughts here, Chris? Yeah, I love the setup. Again, you know, this is one that needs a bit of work and let the market come to you. So patience is your virtue there. Um, and, uh, you know, I think when it reveals itself, I think it could be quite telling. So there's obviously, you know, just a battle going on between the bulls and the bears. No one really wants to stamp their authority. And of course, that's what these wedges pattern do. You know, ranges are narrowing out. Um, and, and, and when someone, you know, decides that they want to be the dominant party, and, and what you want to see, obviously, in these wedges is is... 
when it does break out, you want to see a you know, big range expansion on the breakout. You want the market to, to, to close that bar on its highs or its lows. Um, and and that, that, that tells you just how dominant that breakout is and, and how much of an authority that party wants to be. So for me, again, yeah, this is a great setup. Just monitor it. And, and you know, when when the when the setup's complete, you obviously want to see the quality of that that completed setup, and then obviously you know try and trade that. Of course, with any setup, you know they don't always work, and it's a lot of them do fail. So you need to make sure that you you, you cut that position pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, Absolutely. it's a great setup, and 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 I'll be watching this one very closely. I mean, I, I can I can talk to the fundamentals on this one, um, but yeah, right now the market's having a battle, and I think someone's going to win this pretty soon and make it make their case clear. And you know, we'll probably want to trade that as well. Another one which we are seeing a bit of a battle in is Bitcoin. <clears throat> now, I want to bring this up because obviously there's a lot of news going through at the moment in terms of Bitcoin. Um, Larry, think, look at that headline. What an absolute great... That is crack, the best headline I think headline. you've put together yeah. ever. So, so obviously Larry Think has now become the poster child of, of, of crypto and everyone's sort of say, saying, although the, the crypto maximists, max, maxis, I think they're called, are, um, are up in arms and saying, look, you know, we're against the big money centres. We don't want to be there. Now they're obviously peddling their wares there and, and pushing this one. But from a price action perspective, you know, I've got the weekly chart again. We've been trading a bit of a range. We obviously we, you can see that sort of dotted line. We've broken out of that that range with with power, uh, and we're pushing the range highs at the moment around thirty one thousand. Now, obviously, we're waiting to get the SEC, SEC's verdict on whether or not the Bitcoin ETF that invests obviously in the spot market first one opens the floodgates to a new avenue of investment, and obviously potentially even changes the PR. Obviously. Yeah, does Coinbase coming in as um, as as a surveillance change that situation for the SEC? We'll have to see. And if anyone's going to get a, a, an ETF away, it's, it's BlackRock. They have so much success in doing that, and they'll persevere here. But it will open the floodgates. So it's a big dyna- it's a big battle between you know, the crypto heads actually whether this this ETF is a good thing or a bad thing. Most of them think it's a bad thing. Uh, but for me as a trader, um, if this breaks, does it start the trend into forty thousand? Do you know is this going to start bull trending? I think it's well. I think it will, but I don't know. I'm not going to trade it until we get that breakout. And as it starts moving up, then of course, you know, a trend turns into FOMO chasers, um, and that's something we're watching as well. So, what's your thoughts here, Blake? I know you've got some pretty strong ones. Well, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, and I believe you were not here, Chris. Uh, we looked at the Bitcoin twenty-five thousand level, how big it was. We we must have mentioned over the last, you know, how long we've we been doing this show for the last year plus. We've talked about that 25,000 level multiple times on Bitcoin. We came down there, tested it, broke slightly below it, and then ripped higher. And you know, every one of those black rocks that are out there, the, the wisdom trees, the ones that are putting together these ETFs, they have technical traders that they talk to that are on their desks and they're like, what's the big level that we need to watch? You, you start accumulating at the 25,000 level, big news comes out after it's already moved to 29,000. And then you make the announcement that you're going to have an ETF. These guys made a quick 20% quicker than you could say, holy shit, oh my God. And then now, now that they expect us to, to, to just think that it's all going to work out. So I don't know, Chris, I'm not, I'm not one for chasing, but there's going to be some big money coming behind this on a breakout. I do believe that. But man, what a, what a job did they put on the market? They caught everybody. Yeah, they did, mate. They're good. Anyway, definitely, uh, definitely wanted to to put on the radar there. I think if we get the breakout, um, I think uh, obviously this this could start to trend, and that's something that we're going to be watching. I think that certainly the news flow around this has picked up. You've seen that in the Google Analytics and various things. So, one to watch. Yes. 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's flip it over to my last setup. And like I said, I didn't want to give give away all my dollar uh, shenanigans, what I'm thinking here. But I do want to give a shout out to you, Chris. You put together a wonderful interest rate video uh, post RBA. So I think that if any one of our viewers that haven't has not seen that video, they need to go back and watch that. When, how many how many days ago did you do that? Two, three Yesterday. days ago? Yesterday. Was it? It felt like a week to me, but yeah. Okay. You did it yesterday. I've you, mate. Anyway, I've you. <laughs> hey, I was one of your viewers. So, I, and I, and I, and I oh, gave thanks, you man. a thumbs up as everybody should here right now. Yeah, Just reach goes. down and hit the little, there check you go. Check it out. Anyway, check it out. Check out the video. Check, smash that like button as Chris would say. Anyway, look, we have a bear flag developing. And the reason why I bring this chart up, Chris, is because post RBA, the, the 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 Aussie dollar rallied right into the 38% retracement at 67.15. We're starting to break through flag support. I don't want to get too carried away while it's above 66 cents, but I wanted to show you the possible target. Now you'll see that black line that is all the way down at the bottom of the chart. That goes from let me let me just get my dates correct because I have to go out to a weekly chart. That is connecting the lows from one second. The lows from March of 2020, post-COVID lockdown lows, all the way to that level, which comes in right around 64 cents, say roughly. So if the flag did complete, it would complete right to that long-term trend line, I'd turn around and get long. But anyway, if that happened, I just want to say it is waving its bare flag and everybody should be paying attention. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Aussie? Because I know you have a lot. Well, I just I love that pattern. I mean, there was a chart you brought up a while back, which was a bare flag. I can't remember the exact um, FX pair, but it worked out an absolute dream. So once this once this completes, if it does complete to the downside, I mean, yeah, the, the, it's just a yeah, it's, it's a high probability setup. And, and you know, I think the RBA raised rates in, in the in, in the first of August meeting. I think it's, it's probably priced around 16 basis points or so now. We've got jobs numbers coming up on the 20th and then the big ones, the, the employment number, sorry, the CPI number on the 26th of July. Um, but yeah, obviously we're watching what happens with Chinese equities, Hong Kong equities. I think, yeah, if the, the Hang Seng was to to fall a bit further, um, we saw copper prices and iron ore start to drop a bit more, uh, big if, of course, then 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 this flag pattern completes and, <clears throat> you know, we, we, we head lower. And, and I think that's, that's an issue. Obviously, you've got the US dollar side to think about, but... I think from an interest rate perspective, if you're trying to play pure Aussie rates, you obviously stick to Aussie Kiwi. Um, and yeah, But there is also quite a strong correlation, not just in Chinese markets and, and dollar CNH with the Aussie, but um, yeah, have a look at difference between uh, five-year rates and, and uh, five-year treasuries in Australia and, and, and US. There's quite a strong correlation there as well. Actually, Blake, do you know what? Let's um, Before we go to play of the day, um, I've got a question from Chinny. I thought I'd just address it. Producer... Have you got a have you got a Sterling Aussie chart by any chance? Let's see if we can hear. It. Oh, look at that matching! Oh, look at that! Hey, presto! Uh, Chinny uh, wrote to me actually earlier on on Twitter. So I thought it'd be a good idea to just address that. And um, he or she, I, I, I'm not sure um, of the gender, but uh, Sterling Aussie. Yeah, you can see it. They're making an appearance on the trade off. Um, great that you've reached out. Thank you very much. Any viewer questions are always welcomed. Um, anyway, so I've got this, this this setup, which the the producer kindly had to hand, um, and you can see that 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 big resistance level at one ninety two around that kind of just that that highs levels there as well. You know, if I look at sterling rates at the moment, 
yeah, lots being priced out for next over the next twelve months. A lot of aggressive hikes, and yeah, next week we got the employment data and the and the wages data in the U in the UK. Of course, that was a big one where wage data last month was was so hot that it really set off that fifty basis point hike. Uh, we've got a fifty basis point hike for the for the next meeting from the Bank of England. Um, at the same time, yeah, there's, there's clear vulnerabilities in the Aussie, given what we're seeing in rates being fully priced in Australia. We're getting to the end now, in my opinion. Um, and also, um, yeah, obviously, China and obviously the proxies around that as well. Do, the, the CNH has been coming off quite sharply again. How do you trade this one quickly, Blake? Well, you know how I feel about the Aussie, so I don't think I need to say anything else. So we, do, do we, <laughs> so we, we, we go to, the, we go to, the, to those highs. Do we break the highs? Yeah, I, th- I think that that's that's the risk right now. And I know a lot of people are not so bullish the sterling right now. But if you look at the sterling dollar, the pound dollar, I mean, we're well above 126, the big breakout point. So, you know, pound Aussie seems natural like a breakout and that we are going to eventually break out higher. Also, one of the other things that you need to keep in mind is if stocks do uh, get repriced a little lower from here because of what's happening in yields and everything else we've been talking about, one of the big one of the bigger proxies would be bullish you know pound aussie canadian or pound aussie cross would be a, a like likely long candidate in that yeah. situation too well i think i think so. uh, the, the big one for me now is 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 the is the offshore yuan the cnh the, the pboc have been pushing back on yuan weakness recently and they've not 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 done a particularly great job so far but they've they, they want to, to curb that. If we were to see a big rally coming through in the Chinese yuan, which is a massive if, of course, but we've got the Politburo meeting coming up later this month and you know maybe there's going to be a rally into that situation. If we were to see the Chinese yuan rally, that would be your saviour for, for the Aussie dollar and you'd see the Aussie strengthen. So you've got to keep an eye on that. Until this time right now, whilst the market's still very happy to sell yuan because it's, a, you know, it's, it's funding currency at the end of the day, um, I think there's upside risks at the moment. The pound, I'll just quickly take it, and we're going to the play of the day. The pound is an interesting one because at the moment it's been you know, a high high interest rate carry currency. But is this now going to morph into one which is a, a cyclical sort of growth currency uh, and there's growth risk to the UK? We haven't got to that point yet, but a lot of people are betting that at some stage we're going to see massive downside risk to UK growth because of this higher for longer. And that's where you know, the pound vulnerabilities are, where the, where the pound bears really get their teeth. For now, I think we've got upside in this pair. So we'll see what happens there. Anyway, thanks for the question, Jenny. Appreciate that one. Let's go to play of the day. I'm going to start with Euromex. Why do I like Euromex from the short side? Well, I mean, you know, it's breaking down. Look, it's oversold. Yeah, the, the carry trade is overloved. There's no doubt about that. Obviously, the idea of dancing in the disco and when a fire breaks out, you want to be closest to the exit point is, is true in carry. I think a lot of that is down to the Bank of Japan. If the Bank of Japan come out and surprise and tweak uh, YCC, that could cause ripples in JGBs, which would spill over in high vol in bond markets would spill out into an unmine of the carry trade. But the carry trade is 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 everything at the moment. Now, I will say that the, the, the Mexican, uh, if you're looking at Mex, they've got an inflation number that comes out, I think, uh, tomorrow. Um, and yeah, we are expecting both core and nominal um, headline uh, CPI to come down a little bit from that point. And there's a lot of people betting that we're going to start seeing the bank, the banks are co, uh, looking to cut interest rates in December. So if we do do see, you know, uh, headline inflation below below five percent, there, I think yeah, that could accelerate the need for them to perhaps cut a little bit earlier, perhaps November, and that could weigh on the MEX. But for now, I mean, yeah, this is down. Um, everyone's in curry. I've got momentum. Uh, for now, I think everyone's got a love affair of the Mexican peso because it is the best volatility adjusted carry position, vol to carry ratio on the planet. 
So I like selling EuroMX and continue to ride this one lower. Nice. And, you know, City just did a piece on pesos earlier today, too. So there you go. You got a lot of support from from the whole, you know, institutional side of the community. Are they, as well. are they so bullish? Are they bullish pesos? They're, they're bullish pesos. Yes, they are. So they, yeah, they, think- they, they mark up the same thing. Well, the interesting one, Blake, of course, is that you know, a lot of these LATAM EM currencies, I know Mexican pesos is, 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 is in a different slightly league from yeah, the, you know, from Chile and, and, and other places like that. But um, yeah, they, they started raising rates significantly before the EM, DM, DM central banks, and they look like they're about to start cutting rates. So this is, you know, they're, they're the canary in the coal mine. They're, they're leading us down. And I think Mexico is, is expected to cut yeah, back end of this year, uh, Brazil probably at some stage soon. So we are watching the LATAM central banks who who started uh, hiking significantly before the Fed and other central banks, and now they're starting to cut. Well, I think this is a, maybe a blueprint for how DM central banks may be faring in 2024. You know what? I think you just like saying chili. All right, let me, uh, let me turn your attention to my... Uh, my my play of the day God, got lost there is the USC Russell 2000 and this is going to be praying on the week and I know some of you might be praying for the week but no in this case we're going to be praying on the week this is the week index if you look at all the indexes out there in the US markets uh, you know the Russell 2000 is definitely the underperformer you know and this is the one that I think you have to be watching especially if we pick up some downside momentum there's clearly clearly you know, right above 1900, you have that double top that's setting up. I think the risk is that you slide back towards that confluence, the 50 day and the 200 day moving average. You can see they're coming together right around 1814, 1815, somewhere around there. That is going to be a really big level of support on the way back down because actually, if you break the 200 day moving average, that would set up the actual double top extension that would take us towards 1700. Those are all. I'm thinking way far ahead, but if you guys are going to be focused on shorting equities because you think that the bond market's going to have an effect or you think, you know, whatever your thoughts are and you, you want to be bearish risk, pray on the weak, not on the strong. So the, Absolutely. the, the uh, Russell 2000 is it. Keep All it right. simple. Keep it simple. Shall sell the weakest by the strongest. You know, you do you do pretty well if that's your uh, your mantra. And I agree. I think, you know, if you want to, you know, we, look, we looked at the NASDAQ charts and bits and pieces, but you know, if we're going to see an economic slowdown, it's the mega cap tech stocks that that trade like like a like a you know they they trade as a, as a kind of defensive asset. They're almost staples in some capacity there as well. So, yeah, if we are going to see an economic slowdown further down the year, it's not happening at the moment. Clearly, you know, growth is pretty good in the US. It's sort of one and a half two percent, and we were to see bonds you know fall um, at some stage. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's the Russell at the moment. Yeah, I think that the Russell is the weak one. I think I like that chart. If you want to be sure, I think that's that's probably the play of the day. So, well done, mate. Thank you for bringing that attention. Anyway, thank you guys for for sticking with us. If you're here now, smack the like button, please. We really appreciate that. And also, if you can leave a comment, uh, we will address those and maybe even bring them into the show like we did with Chinny as well. So, thank you very much, and we'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.